We're going to continue on in our series called Life in the Spirit. Praise the Lord. That, I guess that's my fault. There's water there, so they need to get that up right away, right? Okay. Somebody get that up right away. Praise God. 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 14. So we're, we're doing a series called Life in the Spirit, and it's on the Holy Spirit. Amen? And we're looking, praise God, at various aspects of the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we're excited about it. Amen. Do you remember that? Yes. Do you remember how excited you were last time? Yes. You remember how thrilled you were with the Word of God? Yes. Well, nothing's changed then. Amen? Yes. Hallelujah. Glory to God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 14, it says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God... And the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. Now, Father, thank you for the moving of your spirit. Thank you for speaking to our hearts tonight by your word and through your spirit. We pray that our eyes would be flooded with light and our spirits would be strengthened for it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everyone said amen. amen. Now, it's very interesting in this verse of scripture that you see the three in one here. We see God the Father. We see the Lord Jesus Christ, the grace of the Lord. Number two, we see the love of God. And then thirdly, we see the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. You don't have to wonder what she's doing. Amen. Keep your eyes on the word. Amen. Praise the Lord. We know what she's doing, right? Okay. Everybody smile. All right. So there's three aspects of relationship there. Three aspects of relationship. There's grace. There's love and there's communion. That word communion means partnership. It means fellowship. I know beyond any shadow of a doubt that we can enter into closer communion with the Holy Spirit than we ever have before. It is a matter of being aware of Him who lives on the inside of you. For we are the very temples of the Holy Ghost. Amen? We're living, moving temples of the glory of God. Glory to God. Now, I read something earlier. I want to read it to you. This is by Adam Clark. He says, and the communion of the Holy Ghost. He says, may that Holy Spirit, that divine and eternal energy, which proceeds from the Father and the Son... That heavenly fire that gives light and life, that purifies and refines, sublimes and exalts, comforts and invigorates, make you all partakers with himself. The partnership, the communion, the participation. You know, when you have fellowship with someone and you're going out to dinner and you're sharing a meal, and especially if it's a family-style meal, you know, you're eating out of the same bowl, you're passing the bowl, and you say, here, I mean, these beans are good. Let's have some of those. These black beans are awesome. Oh, have you tasted these collard greens yet? Oh, these collard greens are just wonderful. Amen? And then you might have some chicken fried steak on the table. And so you, you, you cut off a little piece, and then you... Turn a piece over to Brother Amaral. So what's happening? You're sharing in common what's on the table and what's on the plate. And when what's on the plate gets in both of you, you've got the same thing happening. Yeah. 
And so thank God the Spirit of God lives on the inside of you. And there ought to be a sharing. There ought to be a two-way conversation. There ought to be a partnership, a koinonia, a communion with the third person of the Godhead. Now, when's the last time you had fellowship with a chair? You know, people talk about the Holy Ghost as being some sort of impersonal entity. They talk about, well, I got it. You know, I got it. I, I re, I re, did you get it yet? No, he is not an it. He is a him. And what I want you to see, that it's improper for us to refer to the Holy Spirit as if it were just an it. You know, if Raul came walking in the back door just now, I would say, there's it. How do you suppose that would make Raul feel? Or Jonathan comes walking in the back door and say, hey, how you doing it? I think that could be kind of offensive to them to refer them to as an it. And I think that it's grieving to the Spirit of God. And I think it is irreverent to refer to Him as an it. You'll notice all the personal pronouns in the Word of God referring to Him as He. He is a knowable person. In John chapter 16 and verse 13, notice with me that verse. How be it, now notice, when He, the Spirit of truth, is come. He will guide you into all the truth. For he shall not speak of himself. But whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. He will glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and show it unto you. Glory to God. So he is the third person of the Godhead. And we can be more aware of Him if we will practice the presence of God. If we will enter into this communion, not just while we're in church, not just while the Spirit of God comes upon us in worship, but I'm talking about on BART. I'm talking about in your car. I'm talking about on the treadmill. I'm talking on the bicycle. You can have communion with the Holy Ghost in Lucky, Safeway, Whole Foods, rallies, wherever you're at, even Macy's. Communion. Partnership. Is this the right dress to buy? Of course, if it was me, I'd say no. (laughs) But but the Holy Ghost leads us. He guides us. Hallelujah. I don't have to look for guidance on the outside. I've got the guide living down on the inside. I don't have to be led externally. I'm led internally by the inside compass of the Spirit of God within. Hallelujah! Now notice with me in John chapter 14. And notice in verse 16 and in verse 17. And I'm going to read it, first of all, from the King James Version. He says, And I will pray the Father, and He will give you another comforter. In other words, one just like me, but not exactly me. I'll give you another comforter. Notice that He may abide with you for how long? How long is the Holy Spirit going to abide with you? Oh, thank you, Jesus. 
even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it doesn't see Him. They don't know Him. Their eyes are blinded. But you know Him. Why do you know Him? We know Him because He dwelleth with us and He shall be in us. I'm telling you, we are temples of the Holy Ghost. We are wall-to-wall Holy Ghost. God has said, I will walk in them. I will dwell in them. I'll be their God. And they shall be my people. Now notice in the Amplified, it says this, verse 16. And I'm going to ask the Father, and He will give you another comforter. Then He defines what this is, counselor. Anybody ever needed some counseling before? You know what? He's smart. He has all the answers to life's difficulties. And He lives on the inside of you. Counsel in the heart of man is like deep waters. And people that are smart will check up with their God on the inside. He's our counselor. He's our helper. He's our intercessor. He's our advocate. He's our strengthener. He's our standby. That He may remain you with you forever. Verse 17. Let's read it together. Verse 17. Ready, read. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, welcome, take to its heart, because it does not see Him, or know and recognize Him, but you know and recognize Him, for He lives with you constantly, and shall be in you. The Greek word for comforter is paraclete. It means one called alongside to help. The Holy Ghost is our heavenly helper, and He helps us right here, right now, on earth. There's nothing too complex for Him. There's nothing too difficult for Him. There's no problem that He doesn't have the answer to. There's no solutions that are blinded to Him. And the more you fellowship with Him, the more you commune with Him, the more you'll be able to draw from the wisdom of the ages. Glory. Aren't you glad you're not limited to your noodle? You're not limited to your mind. I'm glad that you and I have the privilege of being spirit beings created in the image and likeness of God with the ability to live out of our heart and not of our head. To live by revelation, not by reasoning. That's why he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. He differentiates between the heart and the understanding. He says, what you want to do is you want to put all your leaning on your heart. And then he says, if you will acknowledge me in all your ways, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to direct your paths. Amen? We don't want to just live life half-cocked. We don't want to live life by the best that we can do. No, there's a higher way. There's a better way. It's the way of God. It's the way of the Holy Spirit. And so we want to learn His ways. We want to be attentive unto Him. We do not want to grieve Him. Amen. Now, He gives us aid. He gives us assistance. He is there to help us. He is your strengthener. 
When you're down, he is the glory and the lifter up your head. When you need an advocate and you need an attorney, he's right there. He's your standby, which means he's your anchor, your mainstay, your pillar. Hallelujah. He's living on the inside of you. He's got another gear for you and me. The spirit of might. The spirit of God. The spirit of might who lives on the inside will strengthen you. Hallelujah. When, when you don't feel like you can make it, just look to him. And say, now, Holy Spirit, I'm just trusting in you to quicken me and to strengthen me. And give me the grace that I need to live this day. Amen? Thank God for the grace of God. Thank God that we are sufficient, not in ourselves, but we are sufficient in Him. Now, as we transition this message tonight, we must find the perfect will of God for our lives. Amen? We must find His will. And the will of God is multifaceted. Because you can know the overall will of God for your life, but how many of you know there's several instances in your life where you're going to need to know what God's will is in this situation? So it's important to find it. And the way we find it is by looking to Him. Check up with your guide on the inside. Amen? You know, there's a little app on our phone called Waze. How many of you have Waze? It's W-A-Z-E. I cannot tell you how many times Waze has helped us get out of traffic jams. It is amazing what Waze knows. I mean, you can be on 880 heading to Dublin, and you think you're going to go 880 and finally hit another road, but it'll take you off to Jackson, it'll take you off to all these little streets, and next thing you know, you're there 15, 20 minutes better than you would have been if you went the way you were going to go. It pays to check with Waze. Hallelujah. And it pays to check with your guide on the inside. I mean, before you go, before you move, look, stop, and listen to him. You will be amazed at how many routes he will take you to, which will avoid some pitfalls in your life. So find the will of God. Find it. And then follow it. And then fulfill it. That's what Brenda and I have done for the last 40 years. We found out God's will for our lives. And then to the best of our ability, we've just followed Him. He's our leader. He's the one who goes before us. And you know what? By the grace of God, I believe we're going to fulfill all the will of God. Amen? So we're still following just because you find the will of God and you follow it for a while doesn't mean you're going to fulfill it. There's a race to run and there's a race to finish. The problem with a lot of people is they're not allowing God to lead them in the race. They get kind of cocksure about themselves and they think, oh, I got this. How many of you know you don't got it? That's why we must rely completely and totally on Him. Look with me at Romans chapter 8 and verse 14 through verse 16. Romans the 8th chapter, verse 14 through 16 says this, For as many as are led by their head. 
Oh, it's so easy to be head led. That's why you need to pray in the Holy Ghost a lot. Because the Holy Ghost will quiet your head. Praying in tongues will sensitize you to the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. The word sons there is mature sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father, or Daddy, Daddy. Read verse 16 with me. It says, The Spirit itself, and I like to say it this way, the Spirit Himself, the Spirit Himself, beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Did you know that the Holy Ghost is able to help some more than He is others? Why is that? I thought God's no respecter of persons. He absolutely is not. But you and I have a free will. And the reason why He helps others more than He does others is because some are more yielded to Him. They learn to look to Him and they learn to honor Him. So I want to give you three R's concerning reverencing this third person of the Godhead. Amen? The first R is we must respect Him. We must respect Him. To be Spirit-led, to fulfill the will of God, we must respect Him. Everyone say R-E-S-P-E-C-T. I'm tempted to go there. Cindy's already there. (laughs) Respect. Not just a little bit. But a lot of respect. A little bit would be every other day. You know the songs are just a little bit. Just a little bit. Uh Uh-uh. We don't want to respect him just a little bit. Not just when we're in church. When we have our smile on and how are you doing? Oh, I'm blessed, brother. <laughs> Hallelujah. I've got my hands up in the air. I'm worshiping the Lord. That's great. That's fine. But what are you doing in your home? So respect has to do with reverence. And I want us to spend a little bit of time here tonight. So let's look at Psalms 111 and notice with me in verse 10. Psalms 111 in verse 10 is a great verse of scripture because it talks about reverencing the Lord. You know, there's the kind of fear where you get afraid of and brings anxiety and concern and worry in your life. That's the kind of fear we have nothing to do with. That's the kind of fear God's not given us, right? Second Timothy 1, 7, God's not given me a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. Say it with me. God's not given me a spirit of fear, but a power and love and of a sound mind. But then there's another kind of fear which has to do with reverence. And this is what this is referring to in Psalms 111 verse 10. It says, The fear of the Lord or the reverence of the Lord is what? The beginning of In other words, if we don't fear the Lord, if we don't reverence the Holy Spirit then we short-circuit ourselves from tapping in to the wisdom of God. This is basics. This is 
first base. If we want the wisdom of God, the fear of the Lord must come first. Respect for Him. Part of the fear of the Lord is to depart from evil, right? Part of the fear of the Lord is to honor Him and respect Him in all of our lives. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And then it goes on to say, and good, underst- and good understanding have all they that do His commandments, His praise endures forever. I mean, if you will live your life in communion with Him, and I'm not talking about getting spooky. I'm not talking about being weird and walking around, you know, blinking your eyes like, you know, you just came in from Mars. I'm not talking about being holier than thou. I'm not talking about being condescending to those who don't read their Bible as much as you do. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about having a healthy relationship with Jesus. It's the beginning of wisdom. Wow, I'm telling you, He can show you things in a flash. I mean, in a flash, you can see some things that you've needed to see for months and maybe even years. In a flash, He can give you the answer that you need on the inside. Now, we need so we need to look to Him and expect those things to happen in our lives because the fear of the Lord will bring great wisdom and revelation into our soul. Hallelujah. It'll just come up from the inside of you. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And then Proverbs chapter 1. And notice with me in verse 7. Proverbs 1 verse 7. Everyone shout Amen. Amen. Proverbs 1, 7 says this, and we could read it this way, the reverential fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools, what do they do? Fools despise wisdom and they despise instruction because they have no clue what the wisdom of God will do. If there's no reverential fear of the Lord, they're really cut off from the blessing of God in their lives. Now we need to understand this even in church and really know how to conduct ourselves when we're in the house of God. Part of the fear of the Lord is not being El Checkout. And I'm not talking to anybody tonight because you're, you're in. Amen? You know like they say on Facebook, so-and-so just checked in to Heart of the Bay? But part of the fear of the Lord is when the Lord is speaking, we listen. Another part of reverence in the Spirit of God is when we are in a time of worship. Listen, guys, whether you feel like it or not, whether you like the song or not, whether you like the beat or not, has nothing to do with you and God in a time of worship. Amen? I will start to worship God before I come to church. Why? Because I want to be ready when I come into church to just kind of enter into that divine flow. And I think that we can grieve the Holy Spirit if we don't position ourselves to be all there when we're in 
church. Yeah, it is grieving. Okay, so we're going to talk a little bit more about that because I see that that went over really big. All right. (laughs) Proverbs 1, verse 7. Proverbs 1, verse 7. It says, The fear of the Lord, it's the beginning of knowledge. We're talking about respecting this third person of the Godhead. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. We must not ignore Him. We must include Him. Real knowledge, and I'm not talking about knowledge up here. I'm talking about revelation knowledge. It begins with the fear of the Lord. Amen. Raise up both hands right now and say, Lord God, Lord God I, refuse. I refuse. Never again, Never again. Will, I will I ignore Him who lives on the inside. How many of you want to see greater manifestations of the anointing of God in your life? then learn to be more sensitive to and honor the presence of the Holy Spirit like you would a very special guest in your home. Amen. I mean, if, you know, everybody has their favorite preachers, whatever the case may be, but just for illustrations purposes, what if Kenneth Copeland was to come to your home for a few days and spend some time with you. Would you like that? Now, would you roll out the red carpet? Would you make sure that the bathrooms were cleaned? Or would you just let Kenneth and Glory, okay, well, your bedroom's up there somewhere. I don't know if it's been made for the last month or not, but, you know, you can figure it out. That's not honoring your guest. And I would... Just about imagine that Kenneth would check out real quick and go to a nice five-star hotel. Now, a, a pastor did some study. He did some study on uh, the word Holy Ghost. And he looked at some old manuscripts. And he discovered that another word in ancient times for Holy Ghost was Holy Guest. Holy Guest. How many of you know that we can create an atmosphere? Come on, somebody. That He will feel comfortable in if we will not take Him for granted. And you know, the other thing about it is this, is when He feels comfortable in your home, when you honor Him and welcome Him, you'll find some koinonia take place. He'll start to share things with you out of His heart to you. So we want to make sure then that we don't grieve Him, but that we honor Him. You know, what we say, how we speak to our wife, what we watch on television can really grieve the Holy Spirit. Learn to honor the presence of the Holy Spirit like you would a very special guest in your home. Now, when we think of the Holy Ghost as a holy guest in our home, it's going to affect the way we talk, it's going to affect our conduct. 
It's going to affect the way that we treat our spouses. You know, we keep wanting to to hear the voice of the Lord and we want to experience the manifestations of the glory, but are we creating an atmosphere that He's comfortable in? Are we nonchalant? Or are we serious about our walk with Him? Wouldn't it just be awesome that the Holy Spirit got so comfortable in your home, in your spirit, that He began to share some secrets with you? We serve a big God, saints. We don't serve a little common, ordinary, inky-binky, weak little God. We serve a big God that's got big finances and big plans and big visions for all of us. Let's make room for Him. If we have to get rid of some things, we have to cut some things off. If we've been tethered to some things here in the natural realm, let's cut ties with them. And let's say, Holy Spirit, have your way in my life. Not my will be done, but your will be done. We don't have much time left, guys. We don't have time to be playing church. We don't have time to let the entertainment of this world drain us. I'm telling you, God's getting ready to put on a show. I mean, it's a big show. It's a good show. Amen. A show of signs, wonders, miracles, glory manifesting all around us. But will we reverence Him enough where He's comfortable enough to give us a real visitation in this church? Not just an occasional good service where we run the aisles and we laugh and we all get drunk in the Spirit, but I'm talking about a visitation from heaven. I'm talking about a habitation of God through the power of the Holy Ghost. Woo! Where there are no empty seats. Where people don't come in 15, 20 minutes late and take a 30 or 40 minute nap. When every time the bucket goes by them, they don't give even God a tip. I'm talking about a visitation. I'm talking about fearing God. I'm talking about revival here in the Bay Area. Keep smiling. Keep smiling. And I've just gotten this in my spirit. If no one is going to be revived, I'm going to be. And I'm persuaded this bunch on Wednesday night that you're ready, glory to God. Your hearts are open. Let the King of glory come in. Hallelujah. Look at Romans 8 in the message translation, verses 9 through 15. Hallelujah. I think we ought to take a praise break. I could do the I could do the old soft shoe if you Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place. You're welcome in my home. You're welcome in my business. You're welcome in my mind. You are welcome, Holy Spirit, in my life. Woo, glory. He shall quicken your mortal body. He shall make your mind quick and sharp and bright. He'll give you insight, concepts, hallelujah, ideas, hallelujah, that you could have never thought up on your own. Is that right? Yep. 
Okay. Mrs. Thomas. Romans 8, verse 9. Now notice this. And I know this is a paraphrase, and, you know, if you have difficulty with it, I understand, but we're going to read it anyway. It says, But if God Himself has taken up residence in your life, you can hardly be thinking more of yourself than of Him. Anyone, of course, who has not welcomed this invincible but clearly present God, the Spirit of Christ, won't even know what we're talking about. But for you, I'm trying to get an amen. amen. But, but for me, but for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to pray. We're going to confess. We're going to shout. We're going to do whatever it takes. But for you who welcome him in whom he dwells. Even though you may be experiencing all the limitations of sin, you yourself experience life on God's terms. It stands to reason, doesn't it, that if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, He'll do the same thing in you that He did in Jesus, bringing you alive to Himself. Okay, take a breath. I might turn into one of those hooping preachers. Oh, Jesus. Praise the Lord. And God. Oh, oh. I'm surprised some of those guys don't barf. Anyway, that was the flesh. Forgive me. Uh-huh. All right. <laughs> when God lives <laughs> and breathes in you, and He does, as surely as He did in Jesus, listen, you are delivered from the dead life. with His Spirit living in you, listen, your body will be as alive as Christ. Oh! How many of you could use a little quickening in your knees? How many could use a little quickening in your shoulder? I went and got my flu shot the other day. Somebody said, you got a flu shot? That's doubt and unbelief. Well, you just keep that comment to yourself. And they told me, you need to use your shoulder as soon as you can. I'm using my shoulder tonight. I'm ready to do the swim. Quickening. We need constant quickenings of the Holy Ghost, man. Constant quickenings. How many of you have ever woke up just a little foggy-headed? And the... <laughs> and the three cups of Italian roast did you no good if that's the case you need a quickening in your soul a quickening in your mind he'll take the fuzz right out of your brain hallelujah he will remove the blues He will take the melancholy, the blues, the discouragement, doubt of your soul. If you learn to lean to the spirit of him that raised up Jesus Christ from the dead. I'm telling you, he'll make you smart. He'll make you a smooth intelligente. He'll make you of a quick understanding. 
Have you just experienced that before? I mean, such a flow of the Holy Spirit in your life. Where maybe you had to make 10, 15 decisions in a day and you just knew exactly what to do. I mean, before you could really stop and think about it, the Spirit of God was just quickening you. And it was right. And it was accurate. That comes from the Spirit within. That comes from fearing the Lord. Oh, I'm preaching good now. Verse 12. The massage, message translation. So, don't you see that we don't owe this old do-it-yourself life one red cent? How much does a red cent get you? A red cent doesn't get you anywhere. And you don't owe this fleshly life one cent. Now notice, there's nothing in it for us. Nothing at all. The best thing to do is to give it a decent burial and get on with your new life. Amen? Give it a decent burial. Here's what God's doing. God's Spirit beckons. And I love this. Doesn't this resonate with you? There are things to do and places to go. There's things for you to do. God's got some bigger things and greater things for every one of us. There's things to do. Yes, there are. And there's places... Not only geographically to go, but there's places in the Spirit that God wants us all to go. Hallelujah! I like that so well, I'm going to read it again. The best thing you can do is give it a decent burial and get on with your new life. God's Spirit beckons. There are things to do and places to go. Hallelujah! He'll take you places. He'll take you places on your knees. He'll take you places in the spirit of prayer. He'll take you to Africa without you even going geographically. He'll take you to Russia without you ever being there. He'll take you places. There's things to do. Oh, enlarge your spirit, guys. Don't, Don't be restricted by the things you see around you. Come on, let's, let's, let's believe for an expansion. An expansion down here. An expansion down here. Man, I had a time of prayer last night. I'm telling you, glory to God. And the thing that the Lord ministered to me, Son, I'm able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think. But He says, it doesn't start with me. It starts with you. You give me your faith. You believe me. You get rid of this narrow, restricted thinking. And you open up your heart expansively to what I want to do. Because if you're waiting on the church to do it, you're missing me. It starts and begins with me. It starts with the pastor. And I'm not fooling around anymore. It's time for expansion. It's time for increase. Who will join me? Who will believe God with me? 
Our altars are going to be full. Our chairs are going to be full. We're calling the things that be not as though they were. We are not limited. There's not such a thing as attrition with God. You know what attrition is, don't you? Attrition means decrease. I believe that we serve the God of the increase. Well, there's more there, but it's more for me than it is for you. Anyway, say with me, there's things to do and there's places to go. Now notice verse 15. It says, this resurrection life you've received from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant, greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? Everyone raise your right hand toward heaven and say, what's next? What's next, Papa? What's next, Daddy? Father knows best. Amen? So what is he saying? He says, let's get on with being led by the Holy Spirit. There's places to go. There's things to do. This resurrection life you've received from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurally expectant with simple childlike faith. Respect the Holy Spirit. Respect Him. You know, we're taught not to quench Him. Look over to 1 Thessalonians chapter. How many of you got a few more moments? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 19. 1 Thessalonians, the fifth chapter. And I do believe it's verse 19. Well, the King James is good enough. It's good enough for Paul. It's good enough for me. All right. Stand by. Yeah, I know. 1 Thessalonians 5.19. You go ahead and read it. I'll be with you in a minute. Ready, read. Quench not who? The Spirit. Quench not the? Spirit. Or quench not the Holy Spirit. Now, the word quench there means to smother. It means to, to, it means to, to put out, it means to, it almost means like to grieve. You know, the scripture talks about not grieving the Holy Spirit, not smothering Him. In other words, when the Holy Spirit wants to move in our lives, we should not ignore Him. We should not smother Him. We should not put Him off, but we should pay attention to Him. And then so whatever way that He wants to move in our lives, we say, that's the way I'm going to go. Even though your mind may not want to, even though you hadn't thought of it. But if He says, do it, our answer should be, yes, Lord, yes, to Your will and to Your way. Another another definition of uh, grieving the Holy Spirit would be to, to push down, to push down. Now, seeing as how we talked a little bit about how we're to conduct ourselves in church, 
I think it would be a good time for me to say a few things about that. When the Spirit of God is moving in a certain way in the service, that is the way that we all should be moving. When He's not moving in a certain way, and maybe one person is moving in a certain way, for example, it might be a great example of this would be when the Spirit of God comes upon us and the Spirit of worship is just here. I mean, He's just saturating us. That's not the time to clap. That's not the time to scream. That's not the time to shout. That's not even the time to run. That's the time to reverence Him and to participate in what He's doing at that time which is saturating his people. And see, what can happen if people... You see, it's common for people to yield to the Holy Spirit the way they saw it growing up. Or the way they saw him moving in another church. They may have had just a, just a, a wonderful experience of, I mean, just dancing wildly and running. And yet... If it's not time to dance wildly and run in the Spirit, it can be smothering the Spirit. And not only that, it can be drawing attention away from what He's doing to you. Distraction for other people. And it becomes a distraction for other people. So don't misunderstand. We don't want to get all cold and all wet. We don't want everything to be just, you know, perfect because we're human, right? I've missed God. Perhaps you've missed God. We've all missed God here. But I think that one of the key... I know that one of the keys to greater glory and greater presence is greater reverence. Amen? So you don't, you don't want to do anything that's going to draw attention to yourself. Now, on the other hand, when the Holy Ghost is moving in a certain way and he's moving through the leaders, you see it happening on the platform, then it's time to move that way. Somebody says, but Pastor Mark, this is America. Well, this may be America, but I'm the under-shepherd. And God's anointed me to be the under-shepherd. And so what we need to do then is we need to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And that's why you need to pray for me, because I can miss it. Don't be so quiet. I can miss it. You can miss it. We all can miss it. And that's why you need to pray for your leaders. Because your leaders are not infallible. Your leaders can miss the cue of the Holy Spirit. And that's why you need to pray for those that are in authority. Not only your president, but also your spiritual leaders. I'll just be honest with you. I need prayer. Not only do I need it, but I want prayer. I want you to pray for me that I get messages from the throne of grace for you. You praying for me, you praying for Brenda PT, whoever's up here preaching, Pastor Nancy, it is for your benefit. Hallelujah. We want an authentic move of the Holy Ghost. Not all hype. Not all work in a crowd. But we want the authenticity 
of the Spirit of grace and of the Spirit of God in our midst. Amen. Amen. Raise your hands and say, so be it. Be it unto me. Be it unto my church. In the name of Jesus. Now, does that mean we get cold? No, we don't get cold. If you think this is a cold church, you haven't been anywhere lately. I'm not judging. We don't run scared. We're open to Him. Thank God the kingdom of God is not about meat and drink. But it's righteousness, peace, and what else? Come on, somebody. Joy in the Holy Ghost. So part of respecting Him and communion with Him is learning about Him. And part of learning about Him is experimentation. And part of learning with Him and growing with Him is learning His ways. Learning the ways of the Spirit. You know, you may have a service here on a Sunday morning where it is absolutely Holy Ghost wild. I love those services. Don't you? Or where there's just holy laughter or there's whatever the case may be. But then the next week, the Word is going forth. But did you know the Word, if it's under the anointing, is as anointed as what happened the week before? You just can't judge by one week. We must learn the ways of the Spirit. Years ago, that laughter was such a, a big thing in the body of Christ. But people missed it. They thought every time you got together, you had to laugh. And a prophet of God or a pastor started speaking prophetically by the Spirit with a message that people needed to hear. They start clapping. They start laughing, grieving the Holy Ghost. Amen. Let's not grieve Him. Let's respect Him. In closing, real quickly, turn over to Ephesians chapter 4. And verse 29. How do we walk with God? How did Enoch walk with God? Enoch walked with God by faith. We must walk with God and in the communion of the Holy Spirit the same way Enoch did. Enoch did it by faith. And if it pleased God enough to take him, the next thing he knew he was in the presence of God... It pleases God when you walk with Him. Amen. You walk with Him, He'll take you places. Yes, absolutely. He'll show you things. In Ephesians 4.29, and we need to practice this in our speech as well. Practice, practice this in how we talk about others. You know, sometimes the best thing to do is just keep your mouth shut. Is that right? Anybody ever said something about someone that they wish they hadn't? But it was out there. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. But we need to be very careful about who we criticize and who we judge. Why? Because the scripture says, judge not lest you be judged. For with the same measure that you judge, it'll return back to you. Amen? So now notice in Ephesians 4.29, it says, read it with me. It says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Now, don't minimize corrupt communication to just being critical or being ugly. Corrupt communication can also be doubt and fear and unbelief. Foul or polluting language. To me, to speak fear, to speak unbelief is just as bad as for me to cuss. 
Why? Because I know better. I know better. So he says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. The Amplified says, don't let it ever come out of your mouth. But only that which is good to the use of what? So the question we should ask ourselves, is this edifying or not edifying? Does this really need to be said? Or do I need just to hold my peace? Come on. That includes your president. Your president's not perfect. Amen? He has carnal issues just like you do. But it's not going to do us any good judging or criticizing. Amen? Oh, you didn't like that verse? <laughs> Grieve not the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Ephesians 4, 29. Let's go back to verse 29. We got a few more minutes. You didn't drive in to get a little three points in a poem, did you, tonight? Yeah. Amen. Let no corrupt communication ever come out of your mouth, but only that which is good to what? Is this going to build up a person or is this going to tear a person down? I don't know how many times I've had to repent over that. And if you were honest, you've had too. And if you haven't, you better get busy. But that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister what? That it may minister grace. Everyone say grace. Grace. The grace of God, the love of Jesus. And let's close here in verse 30. Verse 30 says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby what? I mean, has the Holy Ghost, let's be honest tonight, has the Holy Ghost just ever gotten on you? Has He ever corrected you? Has He ever pointed his finger at something that you have said or done? Has he ever done that? I got one of those last night. I'm not going to tell you what it was. But he who began a good work in us, come on somebody. He who began a good work in you and in me. What will he do? What will he do? He will perform it. He will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Here's what the Holy Ghost said to me last night. He said, Mark, no more old talk. No more old talk. Don't talk about your congregation getting old. Don't talk about your staff getting old. Well, that's good. He said, no more old talk, Rowney. He said, but rather say this. He's renewing our youth. He's renewing... Our youth, come on, Raul, just like the eagles. Yeah, I got corrected. 
Why? Because in the natural realm, I was moved by some things I saw. And he said, no more old talk. No more decreased talk. Increased talk. Let's stand up, everybody. Hallelujah.